Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. This is Radio Marinara, where the program about all things wet and salty. Good morning. My name is Bron Burton. And good morning. My name is Dr. Beach. Hi, Dr. Beach. I'm very well. It's, um, well, it was fine for a little bit, but um, then it got a bit drizzly. Drove down from the country this morning listening to Tim on the highway. It'd be so beautiful. Very, very pleasant drive. It was a very pleasant drive for Tim on the radio. Yeah. Neil Young. And thank you, Andrew, to, for soulful bits as well. Yep. And Steph, for things to do today. Yeah. All of that. Lots of T's and D's. <laughs> yes, that was pretty funny, wasn't it? <laughs> um, thank you very much, of course. And you can catch Tim next weekend for more Vital Bits, Saturday, Sunday mornings from 6 till 9. We've got a big show coming up. As always. Yes. We're going to be speaking with Alison O'Brien shortly. She's joining us from the Australian Marine Sciences Association, or as we call it, AMSA. Uh, there are a couple of AMSAs which make things confusing. There's a Maritime Safety Authority as well. Yeah. <laughs> they should have got together, those guys. <laughs> But this one is um, conference where we have lots of students talking. Yeah, it's actually an evening and it's happening tomorrow night. Uh, it's called Showcasing Victoria's Marine Science Spotlight on Early Career Researchers. So this thing's been going for over 30 years. I remember taking part when I was a student. So. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, PhD students and others, young students of marine science getting out there. And a big variety of talks too. Sharing their stories and also... Yeah, opening it up to the public. Yeah, exactly. So anyone can go along. It goes for about an hour and a half. Uh, we'll talk to Alison about that. And uh, the students who are going to be showcasing their work, a couple of them we've had on the show talking yep. about their PhDs. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be really great. Coming up very soon, um, Dr Beach, you have some science, I believe. Um, yeah, Which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, we could talk about in a minute. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, then very excited to have back in studio Lisa Warp. Lisa was with us a few weeks ago. She's a celebrated Melbourne-based multidisciplinary artist. We can ask her what that means. And a curator. And a few weeks ago we were speaking with her about her contributions to Front Beach, Back Beach, which is a month-long celebration of the Mornington Peninsula in artistic form. So lots and lots of different artists. I think there are 18 artists all contributing to this uh uh, celebration. It's it's an exhibition, but it runs over a whole month and sort of covers everything. It's fascinating. Um, Lisa brings a wow factor to this in the form of four paragliding sails. <laughs> That's right. Which have her art on them, um, recreated on them, and they're being launched from different sort of high places along the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, I believe the, the sales have just arrived this week. We'll speak with Lisa about that. And also Paul Bishop, and it's actually because of Paul that we know about Front Beach, Back Beach. He reached out to us a couple of months ago and we had a long conversation and one thing led to another and here we are. And really nice to have Lisa back to talk more in depth about her, her really exciting project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then just to kind of change the tune and take a different tack, Jeff Maynard will close the show. He's um, bringing us the November version of Sound Waves. If you've been listening throughout the year, you'll know um, Jeff has a different theme to his Sound Waves every year. This year it's uh, explaining the history of diving using James Bond movies. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> it's been very entertaining all year. This time it's diving with a James Bond ripoff <laughs> starring Agent 077. O double seven, and yeah, as Jeff said, remember when the movies get worse, sound waves gets better. Yeah, so uh, really looking forward to catching up with Jeff. That is our program for today. 
lots, lots to do, so we best get on with it. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Interesting article in the journal Science. Um, this is about the predatory fish, um, sharks, billfishes um, and also tuna that we fish a lot. Um, over the last 10 years, it appears that the, um, the state of play for tuna and for billfishes, so billfishes being sailfish and marlin, things like that, um, it's got a bit better with management, good practice management, um, surprisingly, <laughs> in my reading. Uh, but for sharks, it's a different story. Mm. Um, so these authors um, who are from Spain and other places um, in this full article in Science, you can go and look at that if you wish. Uh, it's in the most... Well, last week's edition, uh, they show that, um, yeah, sharks are still faring pretty badly because they do fetch a higher price and um, there's a lot of illegal fishing. But also, perhaps most importantly, that even pe- if people are fishing for billfishes and tuna sustainably, there is a large bycatch with sharks as well. So that's continuing to happen. So we've still got to, um, yeah, look after our sharks very much so. Mm-hmm. But getting better um, with, the, um, with the tuna and the billfishes. Mixed news. Mixed news. Yep. Yes, mixed news. I've got a quick one. Yeah. This isn't news. This is uh, Andrew Gaynor, who is a listener of Marinara, longtime supporter of Triple R, former graveyarder of Triple R. Um, he curated a great art exhibition on at Bayside uh, last year, might have been the year before. Anyway, he reached out to us via our Facebook page, Messenger, mm. and says, My dear Salties, hello from London. I picked up 20 June 2022 edition of New Yorker at the airport to discover a review from a majorly swank new New York restaurant restaurant called Nudibrank, <laughs> proving yet again they are the hippest of sea slugs. <laughs> How cool is that? So I looked it up and sure enough, not that I doubted it, there is a, a restaurant in New York called Nudibrank, East Village restaurant named for category of sea slugs offering an Asian inflected, oh, I cannot read that word, menu, <laughs> shall last have to ask Cam, with many choices and a whole bunch of things that they have on their menu. So there you go. Named Show after, me, what's the word? Named, oh, it's French. All oh, right. Okay. Prefix, I think. Prefix. Do you know what it is, Narada? Prefix, oh, uh, price, fixed price. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Prefix, Pre- prefixing, yes. Yeah. I should have looked that up, shouldn't fixed I? Fixed price menu. Yeah. <laughs> good. Oh, very good. Nudie break, New York. Go yeah. ahead. So, Eat. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. All right. Now I've shown my shocking understanding of French. Edith will, be, Edith will be rolling her eyes. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Now, the Australian Marine Sciences Association, or AMSA, is the peak national professional association for marine scientists. And for over 50 years, AMSA has promoted marine science across all disciplines in Australia. AMSA Victoria is the local Victorian branch and organises events within Victoria for members. And here's the great thing. You don't have to be a scientist or even a member. Their events are often public and you can get along to see what it's all about. One such event is happening tomorrow, Monday, 21st of November, when AMSA Victoria presents showcasing Victoria's marine science spotlight on early career researchers. It'll feature the current work of our next wave of marine science rising stars. And to tell us all about it, let's welcome back from AMSA Victoria, Alison O'Brien. Good morning, Alison. Welcome back to Radio Marinara. 
Good morning. Thanks so much for having me, Bron. Absolute pleasure. And before we go any further, big shout out to Cade, who lined you up and unfortunately is unwell and uh, would have been with us here on Skype, but um, he's recovering, hopefully recovering now at home. So, hey, Cade, we are thinking of you. Yes, definitely, Cade, thinking of you. (laughs) Now, I mentioned a bit about uh, AMSA, a bit of background information there. What's your role with AMSA? I'm current president of AMSA Victoria. And um, so I'm also a marine scientist and I work at the University of Melbourne. I uh, checked out the website yesterday and this year's national conference was in Cairns. Always good yeah. to see middle-of-the-year conferences up north. It's always... Oh, yeah. I remember was, being... <laughs> go on, sorry. It was very well attended in Cairns. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being a student and waiting for the announcement to be made about where the conference was going to be because it's always in the middle of the year and you kind of you got your fingers crossed it's somewhere warm, so that was good to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, what putting you on the spot here because we didn't talk about this beforehand but just in Mm. terms of current priorities for marine science um we'll talk about the speakers in a minute but generally uh around australia where where are the main priorities for marine science um well i can definitely say from an amsa victoria perspective it's having a say in a lot of the wind uh farm um, projects that are proposed offshore along the gippsland area and along also it's emerging across the New South Wales coast. So that's our priority at the moment, having a say in how those projects are developed and how the marine environment's considered and protected, how Indigenous owners are considered and really consulted and engaged in the process as well. So that's where our priorities sit right now. Okay. And what about in a, in research sense? Are you sort of getting a feel for when I was yeah. going through as, yeah. as a graduate student, um, there was a lot of focus on introduced marine pests. That sort of, you know, that was the, the likely um, area that was more likely to attract research funding through ARC grants and things like that. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I My feeling is it very much around uh, restoration, rehabilitation of habitats, and that I think that encompasses then invasive species. But I feel like for Port Phillip Bay, as I'm sitting looking out here now, I'm thinking of kelp forests and how we can restore those habitats, how we can protect the marine environment against climate change, those types of, I think, disciplines and um, ways of thinking about the marine environment. I think they're priorities in the research space at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Dr Beach? Uh, yeah, Alison, Dr Beach. Hi, how are you going? Hi, Dr Beach. How are you? I'm very well. Um, so coming up this week, you have um, students <coughs> presenting um, at the evening. Um, tell yeah. us a little about that and the um, and who are the students. I can see a couple of names here, some I recognise. Yeah, we've got five fantastic uh, marine researchers presenting tomorrow night. I'm really excited about um, a lot of them are presented at AMSA conference in August and that's to... Uh, it's marine scientists and you have to be part of the conference to see these uh, presentations. Now this is open to the public. They're coming down or coming and presenting in our, our local local environment. And um, so we're going to start off um, with Katia Freitas and she's a PhD student from Deakin University. And looking at really, um, I think it's quite a novel area of marine research, looking at how we can implement a national ocean literacy strategy in primary schools within that, the state. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a really cool. I saw that and um, yeah. I've heard her speak before and she's, she's yeah. really excellent. I think so for anybody who was interested in that, I encourage them to get along tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've got uh, Jacinta. She's talking about um, the abalone and the virus and what they're doing in that space in terms of how to monitor and um, 
and and develop new approaches to detecting the virus. They, um, she's from La Trobe University. Yeah, really interesting having a look at this one. The title of mm. Jacinta's talk is an, an immune priming response, sorry, an immune priming approach to combat HAHV1 virus in Australian abalone. This has been an issue for quite some time, isn't it? The, the virus yeah. has been around for at least 10 years. So taking that immune priming approach instead this would would be of interest to you dr beach um yes it is yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and talicia dowring so she is from the university of melbourne and she's talking about coral reefs so the coral reef um bleaching resilience and how they are building new molecular approaches to um, build resilient corals and Maybe not many, it's not as well known that, in fact, Victorian researchers do do research on coral reef, on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so they split their time um, to um, between Australian Institute of Marine Science and University of Melbourne. So that'll be really interesting to see where they're at with this research as well. And I noticed um, that, and is she working with, is it Madeleine Van Oppen at yes, Melbourne Uni, who's yeah. doing a lot of work on this? And yeah, the title of her talk is Identifying Probiotic Bacteria to Increase Coral Bleaching Resilience. That's a fascinating to think about um, having other bugs in the coral organism along with the... Um, uh, the photosynthetic organisms to try and make yeah, them that'd up. be great. Yeah. And she presented her research at a conference recently as well. So it'd be great to see it um, in this context as well, where we can really have access to this information and research at, in this forum. Um, Chantal Ford as well. She was she's been on um, Radio Numaranara, I think, before. Yeah, back in um, April. Yeah, and so she's sharing some of their her research and and their group. Um, from um, Marine Mammal Foundation on toxicants in marine mammals in Victoria. Yeah, that one's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and yeah. then I can see yeah. that you've got Morgan Ellis wrapping up um, using yep. eDNA, which is, of course, very um, one of the things that people are using um, a lot of late to identify um, organisms in the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be great to hear from Morgan as well, a long-time um, AMSA Victoria member, current treasurer as well. Mm -hmm. So it'd be great to have him as well. And I've, I've also got something a little bit exciting. I've just organised yesterday um, a colleague of mine from um, Western Australia, and we're going to have her banner on display. It's a really, really large banner. Um, it's part of her advocacy work on bringing awareness to um, schools about climate change, penguins, coral reefs and trees. So we'll have that on display. It's a banner which is touring the world, actually. It's been to nine countries. So she's gave, given me that yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have that on, on display as well. It's um, Story Hall and, at RMIT on Swanston Street. And it's all happening tomorrow night from 6 <laughs> or 7.30pm. Yes, and you can get tickets. Um, Bron, I'm pretty – and uh, Dr Beach, you've put it on your Facebook page where to get tickets. Uh, yes, we will yes, do. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we will do after, <laughs> after um, this program. So, yeah, just those details. Monday, 21st November, 6 till 7.30 at Story Hall. And um, tickets are $20 for general admin, $10 for a student. Now, it's really important to note where this money is going because it's, yeah. it's you're, not, you're not all heading out to the pub afterwards. No, no. no <laughs> well, you might not. be, but yeah, you'll be paying for your own drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, so this money is really important. Um, we're going to fund travel awards and grants for next year and hopefully the year after. And students are really, and early career research is really important part of Answer Victoria and we'll help them get to the next conference next year and present their work again and hopefully then also the next year. So it's going back into our student members and supporting them.
It's a wonderful venue too, Story Hall. I don't know if you've ever Ooh. been there, but it's a, it's a really amazing space to go and see some of this stuff. And presumably there'll be some really interesting uh, images and graphics and things for people to see as well and an opportunity yeah. to meet the scientists and have a talk to them afterwards. Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. I think those side bits are, are, I think, just as important, those side bits as in before and after, that's where we connect um, as a marine community and anyone interested in the marine environment, we're very much welcome. That's what that's what's tomorrow. fantastic about those conferences, Alison. It is open to the public. I mean, most conferences yeah. where scientists share their data, share their latest yeah. news, um, it's it's a closed shop more or less. Um, but Absolutely. now the, the public mm. is getting along to this, and and as we said, uh, the money goes towards funding more student work and attendance at conferences. So yeah, really wonderful thing. Yeah, it should be a great night. We'll look forward to um, seeing um, everyone there, or whoever can take an hour and a half out of their Monday evenings. It'd be great to see you there. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, Alison. It's always a pleasure. Um, anything else you want to talk about about AMSA in general while we've got you here? Um, no, I think uh, think that's the main things. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's where all our latest upcoming events are always posted. So um, what we've got lined up for next year, come follow us. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep you up all updated. Great. We'll put a link to this. Um, you book through Eventbrite, so we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page, but also to um, to your AMSA Vic Facebook page as well. Thanks so much for joining right. us, Alison. Always great to catch up. We'll catch up with you next year, I hope. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for having me. Always Bye. a pleasure. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Alison O'Brien there from AMSA Vic. Uh, talking about the conference, which is going to be on tomorrow night or an evening with, um, with PhD students doing marine science in Victoria. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Quick things to mention, Dr. Beach. Yum. Uh, one is that I mentioned before, Andrew um, Gaynor reaching out to us. Harm Ellens did as well a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to uh, raise this one with Jeff when he comes in. He sent us a message saying the best, uh, the one best video reviews about six-headed shark attack from 2018. This one's ringing a bell. I can't remember whether Jeff brought this one to us last year, but we can ask him about it. But um, can, can you just say that again? Yeah, Six-Headed Shark Attack, it's a movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a bron. <laughs> what are you talking about? I thought I'd finally lost it. And we got a thumbs up from Jeff. And yeah, we've, we've done that one, Jeff. We've done that one. <laughs> <laughs> Six-Headed Shark Attack. Thanks, Hum. Hum uh, reaches out to us, uh, lets us know all sorts of cool things. So, yes, that one did ring a bell. So, uh, yeah, good to know. A um, couple of quick bits of news and a plug. The plug that I wanted to mention was the Dolphin Research Institute. They have their pre-Christmas online auction, which started uh, at 9 o'clock yesterday. So, you, as they say, you can get all your Christmas shopping done online, support a fabulous local organisation and help protect dolphins, whales and our bays. Take a peek at so many wonderful items generously donated by our wonderful local businesses. So, these are all Mornington Peninsula local businesses and uh, have just um, donated all this stuff that you can uh, buy via their auction and all the proceeds go to the Dolphin Research Institute. Fantastic. It's pretty cool. We'll put a link to that on our Facebook page as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other quick things that have um, been uh, have caught my eye. Actually, Cade would have talked about this if he was here, so I'm going to do this on his behalf. The Great Victorian Fish Count celebrating two decades of incredible discoveries. So this one kicked off last week, and if you're not familiar with the Great Victorian Fish Count, it's marked it's marking its 20th anniversary, which of course is coinciding with um, Marine, Marine National Park. Parks, yeah. yeah, and sanctuary. So. 
uh, divers and snorkelers taking to the water. This was from last Saturday. Hundreds of people counting fish at their local dive site, following in the trail of those who've found fish species never seen before. And this is the great thing about the Victorian Fish Can. It's actually shown, it's revealed some fish through citizen science that have never been discovered before. Really interesting, um, yeah, data that we get out of that. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. Uh, so, yes, over the past, this is a quote from Kate, actually. Over the past two decades, divers and snorkelers have rediscovered the western blue groper in Victorian waters. I remember when that happened. And found fish species never uh, seen before, like the spotted grubfish, silver dory, short-nosed boarfish and spiny anglerfish, he said. Not only does it count heaps of fun, also makes important scientific contributions that highlight the incredible diversity of Victoria's marine life. So we'll put a link to that. It actually runs until uh, Sunday. December 11. So it runs over a whole month at loads of sites across the Victorian coastline from Port Ferry in the west to Marlow in the east. You need to register um, to be, take part in it. Uh, and yeah, again, we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. When we catch up with Kate, he can give us a progress report. He sure can. And and, and with a lot of the um, data that, you're getting, that we're getting from the fish counts, we're seeing species that we haven't seen here before in the south. Um, sure, we've got probably a few more people out looking, but a lot of it is to do with um, warming waters in the south. Mm. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Hi, this is Tim Whitten. If you want to know what's going on in the ocean, tune into Radio Marinara on 102.73 Triple R. You know where it is. Now, three weeks ago, we met and briefly spoke with Lisa Warp, a celebrated marine-based multidisciplinary artist and curator, and one of 18 artists collaborating to create Front Beach, Back Beach, the month-long artistic celebration of the Mornington Peninsula running through November. Lisa's art is about to bring a huge wow factor to Front Beach, Back Beach in the form of Seeing Country, which features some of Lisa's art on four paragliding sails, soon to be launched at different points around the Mornington Peninsula. We're thrilled to Welcome Lisa back to Marinara along with co-creator Paul Bishop to talk about seeing country and how you can get involved or see them take flight. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Paul. Welcome back and welcome to Triple R to Radio Marinara. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you here with us. Great this, to be. This all uh, came about, Paul, because you reached out to us via our Facebook page to let us know that, that this was all happening and, and it's just all gone from there. It's been fantastic. A quick, quick uh, post to Facebook and here we are. Yeah, here we are, exactly. And it's great to have you back, Lisa, uh, when you were in a few weeks ago. We were talking about Front Beach, Back Beach. We didn't have anywhere near enough time to talk about you and your work in detail. And then after the show, you and I got chatting and we thought, no, we've got we've to fix this, get you back in and talk more about it. So, yeah, great we're doing that now. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, so we're mid-November now. Uh, how has Front Beach, Back Beach been going? I've been hearing station announcements sort of through the, out the last few weeks. Um, how's it been going? We're about halfway through. Yes, they're exactly. It's about halfway through. We've got another weekend this weekend and next weekend and then it's kind of wrapping up. They'll have a closing event on Sunday the 27th at Monmar. And then that's the end of it. And then it will go to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery and they will basically be bringing in elements from part of what's been happening on the peninsula over the last month, so like a, a remnant of it. And you can still go and see it all but just sort of in a much more kind of still environment Correct. and all in the one place. Yep. And that runs through, is it till February? Uh, yes, I believe so, Yeah. Yep. 
definitely going to get down there. Now, Lisa, let's talk about your art in general, mm. if that's okay, before we get to the sales because they're, they're connected. And when you were in here last time, I didn't realise quite how celebrated you are and how well-known your art is because, you know, we do wet and salty things and poke around in the, <laughs> in the sand to go down to the beach. Um, we're, not, we're not that artistic. <laughs> So um, we'll, we'll put some links to on our Facebook page um, to NGV where your art is featured. Mm. People can find out a lot more. But can you tell us about you and your art and, and what you do? Um, so I heard you mention before that I'm a multidisciplinary artist. So basically that means using lots of different medium. Um, I'm materially driven. So I think materials really uh, resonate with me and it's a way for me to be able to express story. So it's different ways. It's, it's like a vehicle that's able to kind of transport these different stories and thoughts and connections for me in my artwork, yeah. And what kind of different um, media are we talking about? Um, experimental printmaking, textiles, fashion, jewellery making, um, installations... Weaving, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I um, like playing with different things. Yeah, is this something you've done your whole life since you were a kid, or is Pretty it something? Much. Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's always been there. Yeah, um, I think yeah, my first love is paper, so I've kind of come back to paper in the last few years, which has been really exciting, and um, I just love the properties of it and how you're able to um, use it. I love the idea of paper being um, non-forgiving as well. So basically, once you've left a mark on it, you can't remove. It. It's it's a permanent thing. Yeah. Uh, last time you were in, we talked after the show about your inspiration from the sea mm. and how you use that and express that in your art. Mm. Uh, can you talk about that for a moment? So there's three wings that are a part of sea and country. There's one that's a tandem wing and there's two single wings and they all are representative of water. So they've all come from existing works on paper that I've um, created some years ago that have basically been relaunched into a different medium again, which I think is a current theme with my work. I kind of have um, something that I then will translate onto another material. It might be the same um, designs that are then translated into jewellery or, or into fashion or into print-based print, print -based things. So it's um, it's highlighting water. So there's um, sea water, so salt water. There's deep sea water, so kelp um, forests and also... Um, the, there's a brown wing, which is muddy banks. It's referencing fresh water. So for me, without water, we do not exist. Uh, without, um, I guess, the caretaking of our waterways as well, again, you know, our, our lives do not exist. So it's giving reference of for us all to be caretakers of these waterways and, um, you know, just the preciousness of what it is. Mm. And you've worked with algae with some of your art, you were telling me last time as well. With kelp, yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah I was um, originally working with a Tasmanian elder called Annie Nanette Shaw who is, um, she's from Tasmania, but she also has connections with Bunurong here in um, Nam. So she taught us, uh, she creates these kelp water carriers which are used to, to carry fresh water in them when, you know, traditionally you'd go foraging for food. You would always have a source of fresh water in Tasmania. So for her it was something that was dormant, you know, this... Um, traditional technique was dormant for many years and she actually found one, a tiny little picture in a, in a British journal which she's brought back from, you know, sleep 
and she's she's taught us how to create these water carriers, but because we're not from that mob, it's not something that we would replicate. But what we have been given is the skills of how to use this medium. So we've used, you know, for myself, I use it in jewellery or creating vessels. I've like screen printed on it. I've carved into it like a like it's a printmaking um, plate. Or we created it, you know, an, a six metre sculpture out of it. You know, so it's it's a very versatile. Um, material, yeah, yeah, amazing. Paul, we were uh, <laughs> for those listening. <laughs> it, it's all a bit mesmerising. I mean, yeah. just getting that image, that beautiful image, Lisa, describing the kelp and, and the yeah, the, the bowls, the vessels. Yes, the, and and we'll get to Paul in a second. But I also want to ask you, like the beautiful pendants or earrings that you're wearing, are they something that you fashioned yourself as well? Um, not these ones, no. No. No, not, these okay. are – I've got a bit of a um, weakness for body adornment. Yeah. And um, I have wonderful opportunities where I can support local or national um, Aboriginal, mostly in Torres Strait Islander artists. And, yeah, they just – yeah, I love them. Although yeah. this one's got a um, kangaroo tooth that my daughter – we share jewellery, yeah. So she's bought a pair, but I always get one. That's probably why I always wear odd earrings because yeah. I've always given the other half away. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, Paul, you have, other than just letting us know about Front Beach, Back Beach, you've got you've got a, a significant partnership with Lisa with these, with Seeing Country, with these um, wings. I keep calling them sails, but they're wings. Um well, how did you guys meet? How did this all come about? Holy gosh, I was thinking that question's going to be asked to me on the way. Um, I've met, I've known Lisa for thirty years. Okay, thirty years. So uh, friendship, uh, nothing to do with really art, other than you know, Lisa to me is art. She's an amazing artist and does some fantastic work. This has all just come about through some just totally randomness, I guess. Which, which is, I listen to the show through my work through uh, Clean Ocean Foundation, where I volunteer down there. I'm a subscriber, I'm a tech nerd in my normal day and stop myself going mad through lockdown and hitting 50 and having midlife crisis, I uh, decided to learn how to paraglide. Ah, oh, okay. So you can see where it's all yes, sort of going there. So a random this. conversation from Lisa one day of uh, you go down to Flinders, I go down to Flinders, how does that work? Yeah. Here we are. Wow, amazing. Um, the photo that we've put on our Facebook page is one that you sent me during the week, Lisa, which is um, your artistic impression of, of a, a photo of somebody paragliding. And um, so I'm picturing you two there. Is, is this how it all came about? Like where was the point where you thought, okay, let's front beach, back beach, let's, let's make some wings with your art? How did that come to be? Um, I was approached um, by David Cross and Cameron Bishop at the start of the project saying, we're thinking of doing sales on port, on, on Western Port or, you know, possibly we could do paragliding wings as well. So I have a very dear friend that sails on Western Port and I have a very dear friend that paraglides. So I was like, I can, I've got these sources. But then it was like... Um, we worked out the costings of things and it was like we've got to do one or the other and I think the idea of paragliding and being in the sky, having a bird's eye view of country and also knowing that Bish is absolutely obsessed with paragliding <laughs> and how much he's been saying, you know, how incredible it is and the feeling of it and the flight and just being free and um, there's nothing quite like it on this earth. So 
yeah, I contacted Bish and we've, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Like he's been um, pivotal in, in this project. Like it just wouldn't have happened the way it's happened without Bish. Yeah. yeah. So they've arrived. They, had they to, did. They got, so made, they got made in <laughs> Poland, is that right? Got made in. So there's, they were actually um, printed. So there's some massive inkjet printer and there's not many of them in the world. And right. They oh, get done in Poland yeah. and then it, the raw uh, material actually then has to go back to the factory and, manufactured and hand-stitched into the actual wings. Okay, so they're ready? Yep, ready they've travelled the world already. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so, so I guess here to the ultimate question, when will they take flight and how can people see them? Okay, so it's planned for the last week of Front Beach, Back Beach, which is next weekend, and Bish has got this software that he can see what is happening with the weather and how it's how it's moving and growing so it's um at this stage it's it's yeah it, it should be an interesting and hopefully that um with weather permitting that it will go ahead um yeah so we'll uh, see what happens and depending on the venue too like it depends on the weather where it's going to actually be launched from you know, it could be um, at Flinders, which I'm hoping, um, or it could be Portsea, Cape Shank. It could be multiple places on the peninsula. Yeah, yep. and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? You've just got to wait and see what the weather yep. delivers. Uh, and how... the wind. Like it could be a yeah. beautiful day, but it depends on the wind. Yeah. Wind, yep. wind direction. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I guess the best thing for people listening, because I imagine there's a, because we know we have a lot of people who listen, live on the Mornington Peninsula, who'd be more than happy to travel down there, mm. um, myself included. Next Saturday is election day, so you could go and well, actually you could just get that out of the way and go down there anyway. But um, yeah, what's the best way that people can? Well, how about we'll keep in touch and let listeners know via yeah, our Facebook page, but. How else can they find out? Is that just through the Front Beach, Back Beach page or? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got one on Instagram and also a website. So that gives pretty much up to date of what's happening. And it also has all the other projects that are on the go at the moment. Some of them have actually finished, but most of them are still going. Um, So it's a great way to do that. They've also got a bit of an app that they've created. So there's a soundtrack. So while you're travelling along the Peninsula, you've got smooth tunes and, um, you know, it tells you, you know, where to go to these locations as well. So it's, yeah, it's an amazing project. Fantastic. And then, and then when it finishes, it then moves to the Mornington Peninsula Correct. Art Gallery, you were saying, which yes. is in Mornington? Yes, yeah. it yeah. is. It's on um, Dunn's Road, yeah, off the Mornington Tyre Road. Yeah. Well, your, what will happen with your, with your wings? I'm hoping that one will go up there, mm. Yeah. And um, we'll see what happens. But I think we've got a little bit of a dream to kind of um, give it a bit more life. And, you know, I think something that would really excite us would to have it, apart from this project that's finished, you know, to give it um, flight maybe, Mm. you know. We're kind of dreaming up things at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. Well, let's stay in touch. Uh, and we'll let everyone here listening know um, where where and when they can see these wings take flight and uh, and and what comes next. Thanks so much for coming back. It's been wonderful speaking with you. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Great to meet you, Bish. Cheers, Ron. Yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Bish. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Triple R.
it's with great pleasure that we welcome back to Triple R for, I believe, the penultimate edition of Soundscapes uh, for for this year. Jeff Maynard, if, good morning. If penultimate means second last. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I think it does. I, I sort of, I'm sort of glad it's getting to the end because I painted myself into a corner at the beginning of the year by saying that I would do the history of diving using James Bond movies because I ran out of James Bond movies where he does underwatery <laughs> things. He's always sort of jumping into scuba gear or going down to, you know, do something in his underwater car and shoot people and things like that. Anyway, I run out, but that's okay because there were plenty of rip-offs in the 1960s. And so today I'm going to talk about uh, deep sea vessels, bathyscaphes, using a James Bond rip-off um, because in the 60s they made a lot of spaghetti spy movies in Italy and wherever. Um, and this is Agent O double seven rather than double oh seven. And it's a, a I, I don't know who he is, he's some really wooden actor and it's a dreadful show. Um, but it's a movie featuring O double seven. And um uh anyway, look, let's just play the first track and we'll get the idea. The Navy boys say it just can't be Malloy. Well, the Thresher just wasn't any old sub. Now, we all know it was an atomic submarine and the biggest peacetime naval disaster in history. That doesn't interest us. Well, there's always a chance that somebody tried to get the wreck up and salvage alone. It must be worth well over a million dollars. I know, but only one man's got the facilities to raise the Thresher, Ken Zoltan, and he wouldn't be interested. Yet half his money's been made in bringing up wrecks. Oh, no, you're barking up the wrong tree and how, Malloy. There's a guy you can't suspect. Now, when you start off a James Bond or a James Bond lookalike movie with a, a baddie called Zoltan who's extremely wealthy and above suspicion, you know straight away he's the bad guy who's behind it all. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're here for, Brian. We're here to talk about bathscapes. And they are basically a big, heavy steel ball uh, that is hollow and you climb inside it and you have a couple of portholes and you suspend that beneath a big float filled with petrol. And what you do, because petrol is lighter than water and it'll come oh, okay. to the surface, and what you do is then you get a couple of skinny tubes in there and you fill them up with metal balls, steel shot. Then you get some batteries and you run electromagnetic uh, or you get electromagnets and you switch on the batteries. And so the steel shot stays inside the silos. Um, then you, you climb inside the steel ball, you chuck the whole lot in the ocean and it sinks to the bottom because it's so heavy. Then you switch off the batteries, all the steel shot falls out and the petrol, being lighter than water, brings you back to the surface. That's a bathyscape. Right. Um, very, and, succ- very succinct description. That's fantastic. Uh, I am good at that. <laughs> You're really I? good yeah, at that. Look, just <laughs> there it is in a couple of minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I am. I am, you know, anyway, moving on. Um, where are you throwing me, Dr. Beach? Uh, Bathyscapes. <laughs> there were only ever four built, and they were built in the 1950s. And anyway, let's have a listen to track two because we're going to have to go down and find the lost Thresher submarine. Now, you listen to me, Malloy. I suppose you'll be telling me next they raised it using bubble bath. Well, maybe this will change your mind. I found it in Zoltan's laboratory. If you drop it in water, it swells up into a spongy mass, incredibly light for its volume. And that's how they raise the thresher. No strings, no mirrors, no water wings. You'd better get that stuff analyzed and find the formula for it. Imagine what would happen if somebody filled the thresher with it. Moving it would be about as easy as kicking a football. Hey, come back here. Where do you think you're off? I have an appointment with an old friend of mine. He's got a bathoscope he uses to study marine life. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there are only um, there are only ever four built of the of the bathyscapes. He calls it a bathyscope. I don't know what that is. Um, I, was, I was going to ask. I was going to point that out. What is the difference? No, they, they've made up the word. <laughs> Mis- yeah, you mispronunciation. Had spheres, and they were basically a steel ball on a on a chain. Yeah. And and you um you hung it off the side of the boat. You went down, and uh, a couple of guys went down in the 1930s and got about half a mile underwater. Uh, but the problem was the steel cable that you lowered on became heavy. Heavier and heavier as you as it lengthened, so yeah. um, the, you had to get rid of the um, uh, steel cable and, and figure out some other way to pull it back up to the surface. And that's when they came up with big floats full of petrol. Anyway, um, which is the, a bathyscape, which is a bathyscape, which is Greek for deep boat, deep bathy well, meaning deep and scape meaning boat, um, <laughs> just for those who are a bit slow this morning. Yeah, well, I've got to explain it, you know. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, in the 1950s there were two. The French Navy built one called the FNRS-3 and a father and son team of August and Jack Picard, they built another one in Italy and called it the Trieste. And anyway, in the 19th, and, and they basically went down to about four or five kilometres underwater uh, and everyone said, well, that's fine but doesn't do anything. But in the 1950s, the Americans started building nuclear submarines and submarines all operate and run around underwater and blow things up and kill things and that using sonar. And so they had to start researching deep sea uh, sound channels so the Trieste, which was the Italian-built one, was sold to the U.S. Navy, and they um, they modified it when they got it. They got a bigger steel ball. Um, uh, they increased the size of the float, and they got to the bottom of the Mariana Trench in 1960, which is the deepest point. Took it down to um, seven miles or 11 kilometres. Uh, but none of that is is relevant to um, Agent O Double Seven. He's about to go down in his bathyscope, which is you know anyway. And and, yeah, and whatever. He's a muscly guy. He, he does everything in a pair of little shorts, showing his muscles. But anyway, let's have a listen to track three, and he's going to go down in his bathyscope. This will give you some idea of what the wreck of the Thresher looks like. Of course, the damage was quite considerable. Look at the cracks on the foredeck. I'm afraid it's ludicrous to believe somebody could have raised the thresher. Well, I promise you I'll be the first to celebrate if we're wrong. She'll be right beside her. I'd like to have a look around. You can't go out there. The enormous pressure will crush you flat. However... What? There's my telesonde. I use it for all the underwater exploration where I need a more maneuverable craft. Well, come on, let's have a look then. Actually, the Thresher is a, a, a real US submarine that sank in 1963. 129 men uh, lost their lives and it was the second worst submarine disaster ever. It was mm. a nuclear submarine. So the story is a little bit true. And so what? Uh, after the uh, Americans had taken the Trieste to the bottom of the Mariana Trench in 1960, they didn't really know what to do with it. But uh, three years later when they um, the Thresher sank, uh, they, they actually uh, re refurbished it again and sent it down to find it. It was the only deep-sea vessel other than the French one um, that was around at the time. And uh, so they sent it down to the Thresher and took photos and saw the submarine. Um, but basically, uh, batterscapes were they were kind of redundant technology. The best way to think of them is, is uh, compare them with a hot air balloon when you compare it to an aeroplane. 
Okay. Uh, a bathyscope, you load it up with weight, it goes down, you, you switch the electromagnets off and it comes back to the surface. You know, it, it's carried by the, the currents and everything like that. And by the 1960s they were making things like the Elven, which you, you basically get a little steel ball again to protect you from the pressure and you surround it with syntactic foam, which is a sort of polymer with little holes in it that, that is lighter than water. So by the 1960s uh, bathyscapes were redundant. Uh, but not sadly, um, oh, not wonderfully, sorry, I should say, James Bond movie. So let's listen to the last track because they figure out what's happened to the Thresher and Zoltan and all that stuff. Now, you will see right inside the hull. Those missile bays should all be filled. Yes, as far as I remember, they were the last time I came down. That's the missile silos of the sub, all right, and they're empty. Every single one's been emptied. 16 Polaris missiles with nuclear warheads. What fools we are. We thought they might have stolen the Thresher, but not that they made off with their Polaris missiles. What's that? Yeah, you heard me, all right. While we're sitting down here, somebody's got all those Polaris missiles. Fantastic firepower. What can we do? Well, there's nothing we can do down here. We'll have to go up, and quickly. Oh, they go back to the service and they get the bad guy and... and, and find the missiles. And, fi- and find the missiles, and, and that was it. Bathyscapes, done. Thank, thank you, Jeff. Eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> done, I am good. We have one more, uh, one more and soundscapes. Got, yeah, I know. I'll have to find another joke. You're going to close the year for us, Jeff, at... You know, no pressure. Oh, we'll have to go out with a bang. Yeah. Well, see, James we'll... Bond died in the last, uh, last, um, um, you know, a good time to die movie. So, you know, maybe we'll kill him off on the last one. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. Looking forward to it already. Uh, thank you, Dr. Beach. Pleasure. Thank you, Nerida, very much. Um, thanks to David, who'll have this show up as a podcast in the next few days. And thank you, of course, to our guests today, Lisa Warp, Paul Bishop, and Alison O'Brien. Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.